You are listening to the Birth Bruja podcast, episode 7, Loss and Grief series, part 3. <laughs>
We be the people you call low lives, dangerous, hood rats, wild, Indians, colored, incorrigible, untamed, savages, gangsters, niggas, go get it, super predators, go figure. Do for self, kings, queens, gods, master teachers, alchemists, Africans, natives, and bondage, but my spirit free. I was born to bring more light into the world. That's why you see so much fighting, your girl, because God's work is so gangster. And I got so much more to be thankful for. I am red clay, dirt roads, ashe, tobacco filled, prayer ties, sweet grass, peyote. I survived the trailer's tears and slavery. This here is what you call unmatched bravery. And if you want this blessing on your stages, it ain't all about the money, but baby, you're gonna have to pay me. Say we call it reparations. See, I learned to sing, not in school, but in ways you wouldn't understand. See, singing wasn't about songs, it was about sound and the laying on of hands. I watched my grandmother pour pain from the aching bodies of sobbing grown men with the sound that started in her pit, escaped her lips, and made them whole again. We black Indian. This red and brown blood, it runs so deep. This ceremony, this sacrifice is nothing you could ever teach. Unless you crawl back into the deep black womb of the healing lodge to rebirth yourself brand new and learn that we are just spiritual beings having a human experience and nothing else is ever true. We are spiritual beings having a human experience and nothing else is ever true. Two nights ago, Nia Wilson and her sister Latifa Wilson were stabbed in the throat on a BART platform by a 27-year-old white man. 18-year-old Nia died screaming her sister's name. 26-year-old Latifa survived and is in critical condition. Two young black women were attacked because a white man thought he could get away with it. He thought he could get away with it not because he's mentally ill, but because we live in a society where it is clear whose lives are valued and whose are not. Cops are being called because black people have the audacity to be black and somewhere a white person doesn't want them. Cops are being called on black folks doing their jobs, spending time with their families, celebrating their faith through song, taking their kids to their community pool. Black and brown folks continue to get shot by police and armed white civilians who hide behind racist legislation. Thousands of families crossing the southern U.S. border are torn apart and kept in internment camps, only to be irreparably harmed by violence, rape, illness, and neglect. Trans men and women are brutally murdered at shocking rates and the nation barely bats an eye. All of these stories and countless more reveal the same thing to us again and again. We, as a nation, devalue black lives, brown lives, female lives, queer and trans lives, immigrant lives. We've been so desensitized to the violence perpetuated by systemic oppression that we perceive it as business as usual. Indian spiritual philosopher Jiddu Krishnamurti said, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I challenge you, dear listeners, to consider how well-adjusted you've become. This isn't a moment of blame, but rather a call to action, to wake up, to educate ourselves, to share resources, to build resources, to take action. Birthwork does not exist within a vacuum. 
Whether we are conscious of it or not, systemic violence is present in every realm of our work, in the culture of our local medical institutions, in the rates of maternal mortality and morbidity, in the lived experiences of violence that exist within our clients and within their communities, in the lived experiences of violence that exist within our own bodies, minds, and hearts. This is why it is crucial that we continue to show up to challenging spaces, to challenging conversations, to feeling uncomfortable. This is our chance to deepen our practice of birth work as an embodiment of empowerment, healing, and collective liberation. To better hold our clients is to better hold our communities. To better hold our communities is to better hold our clients. Throughout this month's series on loss and grief, we've talked a lot about the correlation between collective suffering and the individual experience. Part one helped us understand this topic on a foundational level. Part two brought it home through storytelling. And today's part three will continue to weave it more specifically into birth work. All the episodes are sprinkled with helpful information that offers suggestions, perspective, and nuance. However, this episode with birth worker Elena Aurora is full of practical tips on how to best support your client in the immediate moment of need and how to best support yourself. So that being said, please join me in taking a deep breath. Pause. Get a glass of water if you need it. And here we dive into part three of the Loss and Grief series with birth worker Elena Aurora. Extending big, big welcome to Elena Aurora, a co-founder of a Roots of Labor Birth Collective. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Jumping right in, because today's topic is going to be really, really wide. Uh, where are your people from? What are you up to these days? Yeah. Um, Where are my people from? You know, recently, as a mixed race person, I recently found uh, a solid way to answer that question or what feels solid. So here we go. (laughs) Here it comes. Um, Yeah, my ancestry. I come from indigenous people in Peru, as well as a lot of Spanish influence through the colonizers. Um, And I also have um, a lot of German descendants, or I am a descendant of the German migration that happened pre-Civil War. Um, in a way that that part of my family has really benefited from white supremacy. So all of those things combined have brought my ancestors to who I am. Um, I'm also queer, so, you know, I kept thinking about chosen family as the people that I choose to be in my family, right? But I hadn't realized that that also encompassed my chosen ancestors. Mm. Um, And that really felt like uh, coming home and a grounding. So those are my people. Those are where I'm from. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, what are you up to these days? Oh, my God. Um, well, with Roots of Labor, I'll start there. <clears throat> um, we're a doula collective out of the East Bay. And, you know, I'm one, um, I'm one of the co-founders of that collective. And so one beautiful thing about being part of a collective is this um, participation in its creation, whatever that may be. And uh, I put a lot of work into that for a really long time, for about two and a half years. And then I realized that I needed to step down because there were people who um, I think needed to 
learn and experience what it meant to be in leadership in the collective. So what's beautiful is that I stepped down and all of these wonderful and amazing folks came through and are part of the collective in a way that um, is really empowering and they're taking it in places that I never would have imagined mm. um, and building out programs and things and connections and relationships, uh, which feels really grounding and feels really solid. And it's freed up my time to be totally dedicated to the doula trainings that we do. So Roots of Labor Birth Collective is a collective that um, is most is co- entirely people of color. We go to Santa Rita Jail. We also do doula trainings. Um, and we also provide services for people to come and get a doula. So, you know, some of our clientele are paid and they pay f- like a pretty penny to have a really quality doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also pay hopefully a little extra so that we can um, provide services for free to people who can't afford it. So we pair up with very different clinics around the Bay Area um, and just folks who can't afford a doula but want one and they connect with us. We connect them with the doula, doula of color, hopefully, you know, along the same lines of cultural background or mm-hmm. language backgrounds. Um, yeah. So so what am I doing now? I put on doula trainings. Um, I support with some of the infrastructure in the collective and really connecting people to like, hey, you're a doula. What part do you want in this collective? Um, and really exciting people to take a role in in that that's so brilliant um folks that are that are interested in learning more we will for sure have links and a little bit of more info in the show notes about the roots of labor birth collective really amazing amazing work that y'all are doing yeah thank you thanks so unless there's anything else that you want to add, because I know you're a super multifaceted, really busy yeah. person uh we could jump into discussion or or again if there's anything that you wanted to further highlight about your work? Yeah, I mean, birth work is just one one area of my life. Um, I also do environmental work and climate justice work. A lot of that looks like, um, we were just talking before the podcast started about my Woken Wasteless account that I started with my partner. Um, and that's sort of a, a an event or a production consulting group where we can um, talk about what it means to be brown and indigenous and people of color Um, and environmentalists and to be zero waste so to produce no trash you know we're at this precipice of a time where we've completely destroyed our planet the effects that were like that are happening right now globally to us the climate changes that we're feeling was actually caused by things that happened in the 50s so even if we stopped all production of everything tomorrow which is not possible but even if we did we'd be feeling it for the next 70 years so um you know, really being an environmentalist and being a climate worker really changed my perspective as a birth worker because we're ushering in all these beautiful children into the world and these right. beautiful spirits who are coming now at this political time um, and this environmental time. And they're coming here for a reason um, to teach us about how to manage ourselves and manage our homes. You know, I recently learned about the word economy, that eco and economy, I guess. Um, it really is actually about management of home. We think of economy as money and, you know, commerce and capitalism and all that stuff. But actually, it's management of home. And that's been taken from us in the ways that we um, in, 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 and put capitalism in its place. So I see it like parallels along birth work, the way that our traditions mm-hmm. have been taken from us and our management of home, our bodies, our wombs um, have also been taken from us. And so... Uh, yeah, I really, I, I'm, thank you for asking because I can't really introduce one without the other. Like they're all a part of the same yeah. work that I do. I really, really appreciate you sharing. Well, first off, 
the work that you do. I really appreciate the work that you do and all、mm-hmm. all the levels that I'm still still learning about. And I really appreciate you starting off our conversation、um, in this way because it is not because it,、uh, it is entirely interchangeable. It is not compart. You know, it is not possible to compartmentalize. You know, just our birth work or just our realm within the hospital,、right. and that be that.、Um, and so much of what I'm really trying to cultivate with this podcast is is comfortability. Actually, no, I don't want any anyone to be comfortable. I want them to be more <laughs> courageous with feeling uncomfortable.、Mm-hmm. And but to I want folks to practice more of.、Um, Fluid ways of understanding, so that we can simultaneously see the bigger picture, all the interconnectivity、mm-hmm. between how we treat birthing folks' bodies versus how we treat the environment. Totally,、right? was one big example.、Totally. Um, two, you know, so folks who can who can hold that big width, and then also being able to single it down to. That person in front of us in this moment in time, right? That very、totally. intricate moment by moment.、Um, I feel like that as birth workers, the more I say, the more I'm in this realm, the more I realize, you know, the symbolism. Birth、mm-hmm. is not just literally the birth of a human being, but it's the rebirth of self again and again, the rebirth of community、totally. and so forth. And so,、um, anyways, yeah, <laughs> really appreciate you.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and that being said. If you're right, if we can just go ahead and jump in, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay.、Um, so the first question is a big one,、uh, and again, as we kind of talked beforehand, feel free to talk really upfront、um, and really truthfully.、Mm-hmm. A lot of the folks that listen already have basic understandings of、uh, systemic oppression and racism and all the challenging stuff to experience for the to talk about for the first time.、Cool. Um, how do you, in your experience, how do you witness loss and grief manifest within the communities that you serve?、Hmm. Um, loss and grief. I mean, it it's a part of who we are.、Um, loss and grief is something that I recently heard somebody share a story about their lives, and they explained that their family didn't teach them about relationships,、mm-hmm. but they did teach them about, you know, school and art and math and all these amazing things that are also important. So, anything about grief and and loss, those are part of the human experience that we don't get taught about, right? Just like we don't get taught how to have a healthy relationship or how to. Um, speak your truth. You know, some people get taught that, but not everybody. So, what was your question? How it affects my clients? Or oh, sorry. And、uh, what ways do you see it manifest in the folks、mm. that you serve? Oh yeah. So so I I mean it it comes up in everything,、mm. whether it's actually losing a child,、um, or the grief that you didn't have the birth that you wanted.、Uh, that's a really common one, especially、mm. with the medical system、um, and or home births that that. That have to be transferred, and just that you know, you, whatever your expectation is of the birth that you're going into, or this life change and transition you're going into, there's no you you will, there's no possible way for you to know what that's going to look like ahead of time, and so you're working through that grief and that loss while maybe your cervix is opening, or while you know your mother-in-law is over and it's driving you nuts, and you're in labor, you know.、Mm-hmm. Um, so these little experiences that really drastically shape how my clients are、um, in their moment, like they have to alter and shift.、Um, I've often heard that like young people and teen teen pregnancies,、um, they actually shift faster. They're more adaptive. 
um, because they have less expectations. They're like, whatever, I'm just having this baby, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's a really beautiful thing to, to allow people to hold. And I think that that's kind of a doula's job, too, yeah. or a birth worker's job is to hold that things are going to come up and you're going to have like a process around it and or you're not. And we're here to hold whatever happens um, for our clients and for their families. Yeah. So this next question, I know it depends on the relationship with that specific client, mm-hmm. but I also know it can be sort of a culture. Um, and so I'm curious, uh, for some folks, the waves of grief and loss are almost immediate. And uh, typically speaking, the post-birth visits that I and my team do are within like mm-hmm. ideally two weeks, uh, first week, second week, and then maybe mm-hmm. at the latest four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um so as I mentioned, some people, right, it's almost immediate. And then other folks, it's like when the dust settles a little bit, then they're mm-hmm. having that spaciousness to reflect and to see the ways that they were treated, that in the mm-hmm. moment they just tolerated and then all of a sudden they were able to identify as disrespectful or, right, like violence, even right. uh, institutional violence. Um, in your collective or in your experience, how do you, mm-hmm. as a doula, how do you handle or how do you provide support to someone after birth? Yeah. Ooh. Um, well, as you as you were sharing, I think about how we don't we're not given the, the space and the time to process at all. Like we live in capitalism. We don't have time to grocery shop. We don't have time to be zero waste. You know, we don't have time to uh, have one on one and intimate connections with people unless we make the time. And so to process grief and loss, it's the same thing. Mm. Unless you make the time, it's not going to get processed. Humans are so crafty and so creative at finding ways to um, shield themselves and their defenses can come up um, or whatever, you know, mechanisms that your your body and your mind and your spirit have very um, skillfully created to protect yourself. But it just means that the, these grief and loss are, are hidden behind walls and walls of stuff, whatever that could be for each person. So again, I think the doula, like, one thing I like to do after a birth is to speak on or just hear the client's birth story, mm. right? Because sometimes they don't have the time to say it, but it's the first rendition of what actually happened, good or bad, you know? Um, and people speaking their truths and speaking their stories are so, so important to their own internal process, but also to um, to their learning and understanding. I, I'm going to stray a little bit and tell a story. All good. I... Um, a year ago, last summer, I was in uh, Riverside, California, and I did a doula training down there. And it was really small. Um, actually, it was, it was medium-sized. It wasn't that small. And we had hired someone. Uh, her name's Rocio Navarro. Shout out to Rocio. Hey. Um, she does water healing workshops. Mm. And, you know, I can't remember. Her and I connected kind of haphazardly. And she and I decided that she would come to the doula training and do a water healing session with all of us. Um by dumb luck, we happened to be in, like, the person's house that we were in happened to have, like, a saltwater outdoor pool. <laughs> wow. So the universe was totally like, go for it, you know. Um, and so we did. And we had this really beautiful water healing session. And in it, I really, my intention was to, to uh, call out to my placenta, to learn about my placenta. In other lives, I guess, I used to do a lot of placenta work. Mm. Um, and I had realized that there was a lot of spiritual work around my placenta that I hadn't processed, right? I was a C-section baby, and um, my placenta, to the best of my knowledge, was incinerated. So I thought, I'm going to use this session and this time to call out to my placenta. So, you know, that in itself is um, totally a 
like psychedelic story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, you know, you're you're in this water and your eyes are closed and you're feeling time and space and memories are coming up in your muscles that are being like activated and released. Um, and so I, I, I think what I experienced was my C-section. I actually experienced the feelings of being released from the womb and taken out. Um, and I remember feeling this like chaos of something that had happened. Talking about grief and, grief and loss, like I don't know. I really do mourn the loss of my placenta. I don't know what happened to it. Um, and I remember feeling these like feelings of darkness and chaos and feeling really lonely. And right at the end of my session, we had the the rest of the team would come up after you have your water session, and they would everyone would step in and grab you. And so I was in this moment of internal like sadness and loneliness, and um, feeling like God, how am I going to do this? Right? Because I was really pouring myself into into this work. And at the exact moment, ten or fifteen people walk up around me and grab me out of the water, mm. and it was like totally mind blowing, totally affirming. The universe had me these specific people had me um, and they're people who I still work with today um, and build with and um, just last you know a few weeks ago I started unpacking my relationship with my mother we have a a really good relationship in general but there's just you know stuff that comes up Mm -hmm. and I realized that my healing in terms of um what had happened at my birth and what had happened over the course you know the 29 years that I've been alive um and what's currently happening with my mom are continuing to unfold. So, you know, talk about grief and loss. These are things that I learned as a three-year-old of how to protect myself. And I'm, I'm, you know, working through them at 29. So when it happens to someone who's in a birth, they're in this place where cosmically everything is open, right? Things that are happening to them, they don't just happen to their body. They're happening to their spirit and their soul. So in the postpartum time, you know, two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, that's just not enough time. People will be processing their births for the rest of their lives if given the opportunity. Um, I have friends and clients who I've started to work with, and it, it became really clear to me early on that even though their kids are 19, 20 years old, we need to go back and process their birth. And Or same thing with abortions. People who had abortions, even very like powerful stories, you, get, you start asking questions and, you know, with their consent. And... Um, they're like, I haven't processed this actually. Like, I don't know how I feel about X, Y, Z or whatever. And so these times that like our wombs are open and people are going in literally um, or babies are coming out literally um, is a really powerful time for for us to actually work through a bunch of stuff. One more thing I'll say is that um, I've seen second time parents give birth and they've healed from sexual trauma, they've healed from previous birth experiences, they've healed from um, domestic violence, all kinds of different healing can happen during births and abortions really, but can happen during this time when our womb spaces are open. It can also happen, you know, once a month when people shed their linings and shed their shed their previous experiences. Um, so I forgot what the question was, but, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's all part of it. Uh, fuck that question. Um, <laughs> It, oh, oh, so much, so much. Okay, c- c- drawing it back. Um, first off, I just, yeah, really appreciate you. Um, you're talking about ceremony. There's, there's a, an article that's floating around on Facebook that's saying, you know, instead of um, uh, baby showers, we should be having postpartum showers. Mm. And I like that concept of gathering, right? Create mm-hmm. cultivation of community, and particularly among uh, women. Mm-hmm. Story uh, storytelling and um, 
a lot of times we don't talk about our bodies unless、mm-hmm. we're in very specific situations such as that. And so, a, I thought that was pretty fantastic. And b, the power, like, just imagine if it was social, if it was norm、uh, for folks to not only have that, but to have the anticipation of bringing in someone who is a circle holder, who is a cere-、mm-hmm. you know, a leader of a ceremony, someone who has that experience to create that container. Because、um, there's a lot of potential, and let's be honest, we're we're humans, and there's also a lot of、mm-hmm. a lot of、uh, wounding that happens within families and communities.、Um, so that made me really excited, and I thank you for sharing that really beautiful、mm-hmm. story about your own experience in the pool, because that just fed that piece of my heart.、Um, mm-hmm. And then additionally,、um, oh, I just had it. Oh, additionally, really appreciated your talking about the cosmic experience.、Mm-hmm. Cosmic experience meaning how profound and、um, significant it is on all realms of our being, and having that just be it doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's bad, but just honoring that potential、mm-hmm. that we don't have to have everything cognitively, you know,、mm-hmm. all. Laid out and written in journals, and you know, being able to end it with a you know nice bow, you know, saying that oh, and I'm done. You know,、right. um, doesn't have to be a polished process. It could be something that maybe we consciously acknowledge prior to the birth experience, prior to the menstrual cycle, prior to the abortion,、right. or maybe it's something that in that moment, something bigger than ourselves is like, all right, while you're in this incredibly vulnerable experience. We're gonna work on this,、mm-hmm. and、uh, I was actually just thinking about my own abortion experience recently,、mm-hmm. and how at the time I was very—it was the right decision.、Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no no regrets whatsoever,、mm-hmm. um, and there was relief because I was in a very unhealthy relationship、mm-hmm. um, that would have had I birthed that child would have significantly altered my life path.、Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there was sadness、mm-hmm. because I felt like, for me personally, I felt like I had inadvertently, unexpectedly, unknowingly disrespected something so sacred, something、mm-hmm. that I had no idea how sacred it was、mm-hmm. until that happened. And so, again, all that being said, it was all those emotions all at the same time. And then I haven't really been thinking about it until now. My partner and I—we've been trying for over two and a half years to get、mm-hmm. pregnant. Got pregnant two summers ago. Had a miscarriage. I shared、mm-hmm. that earlier in, in the podcast. But in、um, continuing to think about my my plan for、uh, working with my womb, the topic、mm-hmm. of abortion came up, and I was like, I never thought about it because、mm-hmm. it was all something that I put tidily in a box.、Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, that's a big, you know, yes. It was the right thing to do. Therefore, I can put this on the shelf and not、mm-hmm. bring it back. But yet now, my relationship with my womb significantly different.、Mm-hmm. My relationship with relationships incredibly different. My spirit、mm-hmm. work is incredibly different. So it's both a sense. Of, so when I think about unpacking that experience in in my now,、mm-hmm. it's both a sense of hope and. Excitement for all the gems, and then also the sense of dread. <laughs> yeah.、Um, right. And 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 it's it is both, you know, and it can be both. You know, people can ex- experience grief and joy in the same moment with the same experience. Exactly. And it's really hard to like 
parse out in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. while it's happening. It's totally helpful to have a doula or a provider who can do that mm-hmm. um, to walk you through it or a ceremony to hold you through that. And one thing, um, one thing I like to tell my clients, especially around giving birth or abortions or miscarriages, is that um, these spirits are coming to us for a reason. And we don't really know. You know, I'm not a particularly religious person. Uh, I just imagine like God's plan by Drake in the background for a second. <laughs> just came, you know. Sometimes Drake speaks to me through through song. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, I I really do believe. Call it God, call it cosmic, cosmic universe, whatever. Um, I really do believe that these spirits are coming to us for a reason. Whether it's to teach us about ourselves, whether it's to teach us um, other other lessons, or simply, um, I've worked with clients who they've asked for spiritual guides to give them advice on what's happening with their child and straight up like baby spirits are so well loved in the in like the ancestral realm that they're the ancestors aren't ready to give them up and so they miscarriage Mm. or they you know whatever else happens so um yeah it's really complex and and whatever you believe is ultimately you know where i tell my clients to to go forward through but for me i believe that um there's so many unseens and there are healers who can give us light on some of these um ideas and the thing is again we live in capitalism where healers aren't valued um People are always on the hustle. And what I love is when I find people who maybe they're like a program manager at some boring ass organization. And then like you get to know them and they're like, yeah, and I read tarot and or like, yeah, and I like do all this dope stuff or like I do whatever. So um, it's really fascinating to me to see people show different different sides of themselves in the mm-hmm. healing work that they do. But I really I, I want us to honor our healers um, because they were the our healers and our like our two spirit folks as well. Because um, they are the keepers of culture and have always been on these hemispheres. Or is this the hemisphere? Whatever, in the Americas. Um, And they also were the first targeted when it came to Spanish conquest and European conquest because they held culture. That's how powerful culture is. You can, if you can control the way people think, you can control the people. And so if you attack the healers, the medicine people, the midwives, um, the two-spirit folks, the queer folks, you are demolishing culture. And so, um, you know, I really honor, like, as as each of you, as each of us go on our journeys of healing, that we compensate our healers because it's a hard hustle. You know, I do healing work, and it sometimes I'm like, God, I don't want to charge for this. Like, I just want to sit here and talk about your abortion for the next 30 minutes, you know, like, whatever, right. the next hour, two hours, whatever happens. And, um, and... Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. So I just want to honor and throw out there that that supporting our healers and our artists are really important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And actually, speaking of healers, the next question I was going to ask Mm -hmm. is, what advice do you have to birth workers or to the folks that are in this realm around how to be most, um, how to take care of them, how to best take care of themselves, Um, whether they're just vicarious trauma sort of thing or whether it's actually speaking directly to an experience that they've had? Yeah. Um, I mean, I first would say build community, right? Build build your people, know who your people are, because um, from that can grow ceremony, can grow um, skills, can grow ideas, all kinds of stuff. But I find, especially with the Doula Collective, one of the reasons why it came to fruition is because we need a space to congregate. 
right? We need a space to have like-minded folks to talk about stuff. Whether it's, holy shit, I just had this really traumatic birth. Here it is, blah, you know? Mm -hmm. Or whether it's, I'm having a really hard time finding clients and it's making me feel shitty about myself. You need to talk to somebody about that. So one thing that Roots of Labor has done um, is the third Tuesday of the month, um, from 6 to 8 p.m., we get together at one of our members' houses, and it's an open meeting, actually. Any doula can come. Mm. If you guys are interested, like, feel free to hit me up, and I can send you the details. Um, and we just gather, and we talk. We talk some a little bit of, like, business. You know, this is what Roots of Labor is up to. Can someone help with X, Y, Z? But then the rest of the time is dedicated to, so what's going on for you all? Like, what's up? Because we have these trainings every six months, and we, we can't just train new doulas and then throw them to the wolves. Like, we don't live in a world where um, that's really viable and easy. And so we, we need a place for these doulas, these new doulas to land and experienced doulas to share their stories and also to land, you know, like some of my hardest uh, births have happened even as a seasoned doula. And sometimes I don't, I don't know what to do with them. Um, and so you need a place to like sort that stuff out. So community is one. But also, you know, building ceremony for yourself, whatever that looks like. Mm. You know, there's a huge wave right now of people trying to return to indigenous practices or whatever. And I like to say that, you know, indigeneity belongs to, I mean, there's First Nations people that we need to recognize and uplift. And we all have pre-industrial roots. You know, industrialization drastically changed the way we as humans live on this planet. We became nine to five workforces because industry needed us to be workhorses. Um, we took power away from women's bodies, womb carrier bodies, because in Europe there was like literally a coup in order for capitalism to be created. So there's all these historical places where um, where our power and our sovereignty, sovereignty has been disconnected. Um, and so is our connection and relationship to each other. And so, you know, Whatever that looks like for you, I really encourage people to look at their histories and look at what their people did. Um, like I said, I come from German descendants, and a few years ago I went to Germany around the forest that that um, my, I guess, ancestors are from. And I, I actually was raised here in California in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I was raised by the forest. Like the forest taught me all of my life lessons. And being in Germany, learn like being at the side of this forest, I was so hit by the herbs and I felt so connected to them in such a way that um, I realized that there was a long line of women in Germany that I come from. And I never recognized that before because my, my dad is the German descendant. So I always think of it as like his last name and, you know, tracing the family tree in that very European uh, patriarchal way. But actually there was this very vibrant and alive way of being that I knew had to do with healing. And anyways, that, that has left me to learn and understand a lot more about what that history has been in their migration to the United States and what that has looked like. Um, but really pre-industrial age, we all have it and we all have these healing traditions, which is why I love working with herbs. I love working with um, people who love to work with herbs. I myself am not an herbalist, um, but you know, our plant allies inform me every day. And um, and I really honor people who take the time to, to learn herbs or to learn a, a craft like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think in the Bay Area, it's easier to find folks 
that are already are,、oh, totally <laughs> already have such a, a relationship or or even a language to to talk about the、mm-hmm. desire for such a relationship, and for folks who aren't in the Bay, folks perhaps who are in more rural situations or places where accessing land isn't. Always the easiest thing, or additionally, if folks where birth work is—it's something that you're passionate about, but it's also something that you urgently need to provide money.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes、uh, it's really easy to put everything in the professional box、mm-hmm. to justify it. Right? It's like, oh, this is why I'm spending so much energy, so much money on trainings, is because this is my profession. Right. And I think one of the things I really love about you is you're、mm-hmm. such a strong embodiment of. Of something bigger and greater and very tangible still, which is the cultivation of wellness of presence.、Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be a witchy witchy woo in order to have a、uh, to have ceremony.、Mm-hmm. It could be taking a shower after、yeah. each birth. It could be washing your hands or putting water over your face. Maybe it's a blessing, especially、mm-hmm. if you if you if you already have some sort of、uh, I guess religious、um, mm-hmm. background in that realm and. Also encouraging, we encourage folks to just explore. Maybe it's the slow, sensuous eating of fresh fruit when you、mm-hmm. come back, where all you're trying to do before anything else is just enjoy and taste as much as you can taste. Totally. You know, that's just one one way. It's just the coming, returning to、yeah. yourself. Yeah, I, it's funny because、um, it's been a long time since I took a birth, and you're reminding me that when I came home, like I would want burrito, shower. And a nap, like that's all I care about. That totally ceremony. Get out, shower, and sleep. After that, I was alive again, you know.、Um, and because I was going through my own rebirth, my own like re whatever, and even even taking care of yourself during births, like you know, people talk about birth bags a lot, and I'm always like, the birth bags for me. <laughs> like I don't care what my client brings. The birth bag is all my stuff, my comfort.、Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are things in there that I use, but for the most part, like it was. Really, actually, just kombucha, clean chonies, and、um, my toothbrush. Like that's all I need. <laughs> I can go to a birth anywhere in the world. All I need are clean chonies, toothbrush, and <laughs> kombucha. <laughs> Something to give me probiotics. Exactly. You know?、um, so, actually, again, perfect segue to one of my last questions,、mm-hmm. uh, which is: What sort of advice do you have for、uh, birth workers around how to be most helpful in the moment when you're supporting someone who's going through loss? Grief.、Mm. Ooh, clean chonies. Clean chon, yeah, <laughs> clean chonies. <laughs> a toothbrush and kombucha. <laughs> no,、um, how to be most present? You know, I, it's kind of hard because I want to say all the prep work that goes in, into it. Right, when I'm at a birth, when I'm supporting a client, everything else is to the side. Right, everything.、Um, You know the nonprofit work that I do, the 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 phone blowing up, the relationship with my partner, the relationship with my mom, like all of that stuff is peripheral to what I'm dealing with in the moment. But I also have to be honest with myself and check in. If I'm not、um, totally grounded, then I know that I can't be giving this person the due justice that they need and the full attention that they need.、Um, And so, what I've learned after doing this for years is that that fluctuates. That my capacity changes based on my emotional well-being. You know, based on what I have going on. Based on if I got in a fight with somebody that I care about, or you know, excuse me.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I live in West Oakland's where we still have shootings that happen a lot, and、um, different forms of violence that are happening to our communities at all times. So, 
it's really interesting because on one hand, I want to talk about this sort of utopian wellness that we all like find yourself grounded and blah. And the reality is sometimes when it rains, it pours and shit happens and it hits the fan and you just kind of have to roll with it. Um, and so, I mean, I really I really hold sacred to the recharging that I do. Um, I'm also, I'm a planner. I'm, I'm very, what is that, left-brained where I, I like to have, I have a lot of Capricorn in my chart. I really want to be like organized and categorized. Um, and I, I like have retreats for my life so that I can plan out like what I need to do in the next couple of times. And I know that not everybody works that way or not everybody wants to work that way. Um, and so I really, when I can, I'll take a self-care day. One beautiful thing that the Doula Collective sort of did organically was that uh, some folks were like, hey, I really need a spa day. And like every couple of months, it doesn't happen regularly. It happens sort of spontaneously. Folks are like, yeah. And they go down to this like Korean spa in um, San Leandro for the day. And like there's just a bunch of doulas with like, I don't know, cucumbers on their eyes or something. Like just like <laughs> kicking awesome. it in the spa, you know, because we all need to recharge. Yeah. And again, it comes back to community because if I'm feeling super exhausted by this client and feeling super alone because I don't have anyone else to back me up, mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to burn out really quickly. Uh, a lot of times our doulas actually take clients in pairs, right? So when one one client is like taking up a lot of energy or taking up a lot of space or this doula's mental space, they actually have a buddy to do it with them, um, which isn't everybody's style, but it's a way to try it. And we have like WhatsApp, group, WhatsApp groups where we can talk to folks um, and just ask like, hey, this person is talking about, you know, a previous miscarriage or previous stillbirth. What the hell do I say? And we're over here texting being like, well, try this, try, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's that community support that's really important. Um, but really, you know, trying to stay present in the moment and staying grounded in the moment. And, and I think a big part of it is like trusting yourself that you will know what to say. I go, I, you know, a lot of new doulas come into the training and they're like, oh, God, I just don't feel ready to take a client. And the reality is no one's ready. But if the woman next door is giving birth, like you're going to be ready. You know, I actually I know we're almost at time, but I want to I, I want to share this story. Um, there was I, I was in a home birth midwifery apprenticeship for a year and a half. and I decided to, to end it. And I was really feeling so many conflict feelings about ending this um, apprenticeship and whatever that was what it was there was a a neighbor next door had moved into the duplex next door and it was this Latina woman she was pregnant like you know big belly pregnant and I had introduced myself and I was kind of like man do I be like hey do you need a doula or like hey do you want a placenta encapsulation and I thought no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there just introduce myself I spoke to her husband like a week later and you know, told him what I did. So I was like, if you do have questions, like, feel free to ask me. No big deal. You know, whatever. And I got this weird, like, spider senses, you know, that, like, something was going to happen. Um, but no big deal, you know, whatever. Um, one random night, the middle of the night, it's like four in the morning or something. And we hear this blood curdling scream. And we have we live really close to one of the homeless encampments. And there's often domestic violence. There's also fights and like dog fights and human fights and all kinds of stuff. And so I'm the nosy neighbor who likes to get myself involved in everything. So I'm hearing this scream and I wake up and I think I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to let this one play out. But then we hear it again. And it, it really sounded like, oh, shit, I, I should call nine. Like this felt like. Uh, somebody was hitting someone there was also like um, I could hear male voices yelling I started getting a little nervous I was like "Ooh, now I'm grappling with myself I just set a boundary now I have to adjust it you know oh man (laughs) Um, I heard our upstairs neighbors like get up and out of bed and out of the out of the building so I was like okay they're gonna deal with it you know 
Next thing you know, I hear a knock on the door. And I walk up and I open the door and it's our upstairs neighbor. And she goes, the woman's in labor next door and she's giving birth right now. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, okay. And in my head, you know, I, I don't even think I was wearing pants. <laughs> I don't remember what I was wearing. I was just wearing like a t-shirt and I grabbed my robe. I threw it over me. And, um, you know, I, I had all my midwifery stuff in the back of the of the duplex, but there wasn't enough time. So I was like, screw it. And I just ran. And I ran to the outside of where this woman was giving birth. And she, what had happened was she, it was her second child. She gave birth really quickly and um, clearly. And she, there was bars on the back of the window um, outside. And so she was holding on to the bars while kind of in a squat, kind of leaning up with the bars like um, behind her. And um, I look and the head's born. And the dad's freaking out. Like, he has no idea what to do. He's, like, freaking out. So I run in there, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, I just left this midwifery, like, apprenticeship, but here I am about to, like, support this child coming in, and everyone's a shit show. Like, <laughs> So, you know, I took a deep breath, and I thought, okay, here we go. And, um, you know, I told them that it was going to be okay. I don't speak Spanish fluently, but, like, I was trying in my broken Spanish to tell him. And both of them spoke um, a fair amount of English as well, so I'm telling them to calm down, you know. All of these things, um, I think maybe, I can't remember, I think the dad was calling the ambulance or something like that. And um, my neighbors came by and said, what do you need? And in a minute, all of the training that I, that I had had over the next year and a half totally came into effect. I was like, I'm going to need blankets. I'm going to need a bowl for the placenta and, you know, blah, 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 whatever else. And then we made it happen. But I would not have been able to support her in any way if my neighbor hadn't gotten me up or had been there to support me in supporting her. Um and yeah, and then you know, it's, it, there's a lot, there's more to the story. But the baby was born, nothing was wrong, everything was totally fine. They ended up going to the hospital just to like make sure, you know, but everything was fine. And um, it really, really affirmed for me that my path in birth work was that when your neighbor gives birth, you show up mm -hmm. <laughs> because you do. And it really feels like that. Like when shit happens, you show up, um, and you just you you take care of yourself as the best as you can. Whether right. that means like bouncing for a month and taking a vacation, or whether it means making yourself a home cooked meal once a week, um, or whether it means like going and get donuts. Like you know, sometimes you just need the sugar, need the whatever, and yeah. Um, it's like finding that balance for yourself. Your story is just drilling the statement that I feel like has come through again and again in life in various ways, which is in most situations, just showing up as mm -hmm. best you can in that moment is enough. And part of doing our work is not to work to develop perfection, but just to totally. continue to widen and deepen. Mm -hmm. And then in that moment, the oh shit moment, where it's like our mind blinks and then all of a sudden, you know, the work returning again and again makes it that yeah. much easier to ground and totally. access what you've, you know, what you've worked before. Um, that's such a beautiful story. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, yes, we are over time and I apologize for your schedule. Uh, but I love to invite guests to share any closing thoughts or advice, remarks, any future visioning or a call to action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, I will just say like a reminder that we are animals and that when birth happens um, or miscarriage happens or abortions happen or just life happens, we're still animals and allowing yourself the permission to feel into your animal brain, right? Emotions, they, they come to us. We're vessels. They come to us and then they leave. They're like the winds, right? They're not meant to be kept in us. When they, when they are kept, that's how we get cancer. That's how we get fibroids and things like that. Um, and so just reminding 
us that like it giving us ourselves permission to just be who we are um, is really empowering. And then projects. I mean, I'm really focusing on on my Woke and Wasteless work um, and building up the doula collective in a way that feels sustainable. You know, uh, unfortunately, there's the bureaucratic aspects of it and our people face burnout. But the people who are coming into the collective now are going to be our leaders in a year and two years. Um, And so really like holding the community in its complexity that like each person has so much to bring to the table. Like you said, just showing up, whether it's in a collective, whether it's at a birth, whether it's um, to your, you know, partnership with your dinner or with your dinner. (laughs) I like the partnership with your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Or just show up for your cucumbers, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. But just showing up and being present, like you said, it it feels really important um, to the work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Lena, thank you again so much. You are beyond fantastic. And I really, really mm-hmm. hope to uh, to convince you to come back on the show. Again. Yeah, hell yeah, I'll <laughs> come back. Yeah, and I guess one other thing I'll add is um, for Roots of Labor, you know, we are always looking for support in whatever capacity that means. So if folks can um, donate to Roots of Labor, that'd be awesome. And if not, that's cool too. Like I said, we go to Santa Rita Jail. Um, we also provide doula services to folks who can't otherwise afford it. Um, and sometimes we're just throwing on events and we need a venue or we need um, the catering or whatever. You know, one time we had an event and somebody just dropped off like a ton of vegetables, like lettuce that they had from like a farmer's market that they didn't ha- like, I don't know, they weren't going to use it. And it was so awesome that all these pregnant people walked through and we were like, here, have a head of lettuce, like organic lettuce. <laughs> um, so, you know, any any anything that can help is awesome. That's awesome. Or even mm-hmm. printing. Sometimes yeah. the Rape Crisis Center will have like a legal organization be like, hey, totally. we got a new printer. Do you guys want some brochures printed? Yeah. I'm like, yes. Hell yeah. We often need <laughs> translation services. Mm. We need a lot of infrastructure support and financial support, but that's my organizational brain. Thank you. Coming out right now. But yes. um, those are all things that we need. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank cool. you. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Come on, Rachel. You can leave. Do, 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 do. I'm back in the book and my cash is harmonized like this. We are still here. We are still growing. We are marching. We are speaking up. We are voting. We are graduating. We are healing. We are learning to take care of ourselves. We are instigating change. We are fighting. We are getting back up. We are fearless. We are resilient. We are the revolution. We are liberating ourselves. We are taking up space. This is a testament to the resilience that makes up who we are as a people. No nos rajamos. We believe in si se puede. Yes, we can. And yes, we will. This untitled poem is written by Kim Banis. The music you heard on today's show was Ink Pata and Say My Name by Mumu Fresh. Deep gratitude to Elena Aurora for being our guest. Found out more about Elena and the Roots of Labor Birth Collective in show notes. Follow me on Instagram at Birth Bruja to continue the conversation around loss and grief in and outside of birth work. Say my name. Say my name.